0: Hey crack fans! stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do I use on my racket I use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at crack rackets you know I'm a hairy guy as you can imagine I sweat when I play the only grip that works for me is the turna tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turna grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods, about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at unique and get started with our friends at turn of to tennis today welcome to hey great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have got another edition of The Deciding Point for all of you listeners, our weekly breakdown of all the action happening around the Division I college tennis world. Of course, on Tuesday nights, we talk about the Division I women's action. And once again, it was another fantastic week of results for us to discuss. No questions left about Oklahoma, they have established themselves as one of the top contenders for the national championship. Another fantastic weekend for them as they knock off Baylor. And of course, a dramatic 4-3 victory over conference rivals, Texas as well. You move beyond Oklahoma, certainly Texas AM. and they're starting to answer that question as well. They earn their biggest win of the season, 7-0 over Georgia. Not only a clean sweep, but they do that on the road in Athens, of course. You look elsewhere, whether it's the Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten, even non-Power 5 results, so many things. For us to touch on on today's show, and of course, if you're going to cover all the action in the Division One women's college tennis world, you better have some people to help you along the way. Thankfully, I have the best man to turn to for all things Division One women's college tennis. Of course, you know him best as your co-favorite writer on our website, CrackRackets.com, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog, our West Coast college tennis correspondent, and of course, my friend, returning champion John J. Parsons. Jay, hey. Great shot. Welcome back to the show. Another week in the books. How are you feeling, my friend?
1: I'm good. I was waiting for that. And he went 0-2 on predictions for the (laughs) week in the intro. Um, But I guess I'll do the preemptive strike there. Uh, You predicted both of the Oklahoma and Texas A&M outcomes. So props to you, my friend. You know, when they come far and far and few between, you got to give the recognition where it's due. So uh, credit to you. Um, and I'm doing well. We have so much to talk about again. Uh, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, you have taken enough victory laps on this year's shows that it was about time that I got one. And I figured I was going to be taking a big enough victory lap when we talk about Texas A&M, a team I think we both know. I think the listeners tuning in today and those tuning in live on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel, Scotty B and the gang, as always, welcome into the show. Appreciate Hopefully, you have us on the side tab and then the ongoing Tsitsipas Alcaraz battle in Miami on the right side of your screen right now. But yeah, I intend to take a victory lap today because yeah. some things certainly broke my way from a result standpoint. Of course in typical fashion we had a sneak into the finish line before the show result in cal knocking off pepperdine and we had a whole plan to talk about pepperdine their successes over the past weekend however we're going to sneak that match into that segment as well rest assured we saw the result we're going to talk about it today but again Plenty for us to discuss. We'll get to the headline results. We'll play another game of good win, bad loss. We expanded our rankings to the top 16 this week uh, so we can play a game not only of cross-up, but we can start talking about those teams in the hunt For the NCAA host regions. Uh, Of course, we'll do all of that preview the week ahead and more on today's show. Of course, the reason we're able to do this week in week out is because of the support we get from all of you. And that means not only you fans tuning in, but to the players, coaches who tune in, who support our work, who provide us the information to make these shows exciting. We are immensely grateful for their support for all of you in the college tennis world who have embraced us and are along with us trying to provide college tennis with the platform, the attention that we know it deserves. Of course, a huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision as well for their support of this show. And you all know it's artificial intelligence for your tennis. The latest and greatest innovations in the technology world are happening with our friends at Swing Vision. It is, you know, again, the most efficient way to improve your game. You get the Swing Vision app. You're going to set up the app while you hit When you're done, you're going to have film breaking down the action, talking about the four hands you made, four hands you missed, why you need to work on your serve. You have in-app coaching options as well, and so much more. If you want to learn more, click on the link in the description to this show. And again, when you eventually do, sign up. Use our promo code CRACK20. You'll get a free 14-day pro trial, $20 discount as well. We wouldn't tell you about it if we weren't so sure it's the future of the game, folks. So excited to be partnered with our friends at Swing Vision. Learn more about them by clicking on the link in the description to the show. Of course, a huge thank you, as always, to our friends at Turner as well. You know all about Turner Grip, so I'll simply say this. Contact sales at uniquesports.com today to learn more. You mentioned we sent you. They'll get you discounted pricing, free samples. They'll treat you like family. Everyone uses Turner Grip for the reason. For a reason, you should start using them today. If you are not, contact sales at uniquesports.com to get involved with the Turner team today. With all of that said, let's talk some college tennis here on today's show. And the place we're going to start is with I think even in tennis it's the Red River rivalry uh between these two teams and that of course is Oklahoma taking on Texas and you know I was fortunate enough to be at the National Indoors when these two teams faced off and you know, for Oklahoma, who had such a chip on their shoulder, really through that entire first two-month stretch of the season, they knock off Texas 4-1 at the indoors. And certainly that was the announcement on the grandest of national stages. Okay, Oklahoma's here to play. Now, they're 19-1 and overall on the season. They're one loss, a national indoor final of the UNC, where they won doubles in four first sets, just weren't able to hang on to the victory. They've beaten everyone. Since that match, they've beaten everyone fairly comfortably as well. Their close match, a 5-2 win over UCF. They got pushed this weekend. I know that says a 6-1 win over Baylor. Worth noting, all three of the matches at the 4-6 through six singles position win three sets. Now, all of them were swept by Oklahoma. Why is that relevant? Well, against the Longhorns, Oklahoma drops the doubles point. Now they do get a straight set victory from Carmen Corley, five and five over Kylie Collins, and that's another fantastic victory for uh, for Corley here this season. Shanta, though, straight sets over Shavatapan. We can talk about that in a second. Straight set win for Pisareva over Uvrutsky, but then the clincher for Staker, seven six in the third. She was down multiple match points. I believe it was five six love forty in that third set. I mean, Jay, we say it all the time. A lot of teams can be good at the top. It's the bottom of the lineup that is that distinguishes the elite from the very good in college tennis. Shanta, Pisareva, Staker, 6-0 on the weekend in singles. It's not new news, but this Oklahoma team's the real deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this really solidified the fact that they are the real deal. And just, I mean, to put it into context, right, I mean, how often do we see a team finish just inside the top 25 and the very next season be formidable top three, one of the best teams in the country, let alone a team that has never been there before, right? So what this Oklahoma program has done this season is truly remarkable. And I thought this match was sort of a microcosm of what they've been able to do this season, you know, you did all of those power five coaching interviews. And one of the questions you asked was, you know, what do you want, you know, um, people to take away when you watch your teams play? And so many coaches talked about, oh, we want them to take away. Oh, our girls are tough or our players fight hard. This Oklahoma team embodies that to me. I mean, Texas did to Oklahoma, what Oklahoma has done to so many other teams in that doubles point, And they stole that doubles point. Oklahoma was up serving five, four in that first set. They were up 4-2 in the breaker, 6-5 in the breaker. They lose both of those matches, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this might not be Oklahoma's day because it feels like Texas is playing the Oklahoma role today, and they just came through in those bottom positions, 4, 5, and 6, and particularly Staker, the freshman, who we saw that sort of performance at indoors. It continues. It's just a remarkable performance against the defending national champions and one that you certainly say... Like, they are a beyond legit contender at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, the stats are excellent. And certainly they lose this doubles point to Texas, which is not a common occurrence for this – a frequent occurrence for this Oklahoma team. And certainly, you know, they're still working in new pieces, right? Donna Guzman still – not her healthiest. We haven't seen her in singles yet. I actually spoke with Oklahoma women's tennis head coach, Audra Cohen, a conversation you can hear at length tomorrow on the cracked interviews, podcast feed. She says the plan is still to work Guzman in to some singles action here down the home stretch of the season. But you know, again, you're right. They drop uh, that doubles point and you look for them. I think what was, you know, they dropped three first sets in singles as well. And yet, as always, you knew this team wasn't going anywhere. And credit to Peyton Stearns, who has played some really good tennis of late and continues to establish herself as one of the five best players in women's college tennis this season. And I think on the right day, you know, she is right there with Navarro as the players to beat. And she gets a 4-3 and three win over Lane Sleef. That's a really good win for Peyton Stearns. It's a really good win for their freshman Sabina Zanilova as well to knock off Ivana Corley in straight yes. sets. Corley's been so good this year at the three spot. St. I mean, is still undefeated. Yeah. The Shivatapon struggles are now just real. I mean, yeah. it's it's two and you know, two and a half months into the season now. And for whatever reason, she's just not the lock she was last year. Whether it's at the four spot, you know, the three spot, those struggles continue. That said, Shanta took it to her. And like the two handed game, it just works. The power she can bring, the relentlessness, it works. I don't know how you're gonna take Pisa Rave out of the lineup. She's been so good, or Staker at six. Like, they have just been such sure things. It's the greatest of luxuries and challenges to face, right, when you've got more than six players who can fill out a lineup and you feel confident about them. But that's the only question left about this Oklahoma team, is it's like, does Guzman bring another dimension? And we still have a few matches left, plus the Pepperdine Nugget, the best gem at the end of the season, to figure that out.
1: Yeah, well I'd argue Guzman already has had an immediate impact in slotting it at number 3 doubles. I mean, they won 6-0 against Texas even if they have her down at doubles at number 3, feel really good about that. Um I imagine it sounds like coach Cohen agrees with this, but it sounds like they'll slot her in in some of these other Big 12 matches, get some reps in. And look, I mean, we're still 6 weeks out from where they would need her most. So they've got they've got time, but even in doubles it's been a huge plus.
0: Yeah, and you know, again, uh, this is why I highly recommend you watch this show on YouTube Live when we record it is because right now on our screen we have the clips of Staker fighting off the match points. I had the chance to speak with Coach Cohen about the excitement of that moment and, you know, obviously more broadly the excitement surrounding her team right now It coming down to the line of, with Staker. I have Coach's reaction. I wanted to know what's going through her head, Five six love 40. We have that answer for you now. Super producer Daniel Westhoff, roll the clip.
2: I have no idea. <laughs> I just remember looking over at her. She was. she went down love 30 and I said, Emma, just play, like yeah. just play, just play tennis. You know how to play tennis and enjoy it and, uh, and, and battle as much as you can. And I mean, no, you put your heart out here regardless. And, uh, and so she, she just played, she was down love, ended up being down love 40 there. And then she played three really good points just on offense, like hit a, a big serve, then a back end on the line winner. I mean, just played three really great points. And then the fourth point, it was a little shaky. I think we got a little bit lucky there. Uh, and and she'll take it. But I, I do think that her ability to step up and say, All right, I'm just gonna do whatever I can here. And and she owned that moment. And uh the second she decided to own it, really took it over and 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 sent it to a third set breaker. And then we, she could breathe a little bit there.
0: Yeah. And so with that in mind, Oklahoma takes a 4-3 win over Texas, 6-1 win over Baylor, again, 19-1 and overall in command now to capture the conference title. On the flip side, I think Baylor comes out of this weekend looking really good. I think they have bounced back, and again, their loss early in the season, certainly, or their win, excuse me, they beat Miami, if memory serves me correct, right? Or No, 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 they lose to Miami in the kickoff weekend. That loss has appreciated in value certainly given what we know about the hurricanes now. And yeah, there were some one-off surprises, certainly for Baylor early in the season, but they're healthy. They play this Oklahoma team really close on the flip side with Texas. Do they have, you know, outside of their success against Cal, do they have a signature win on the season? Like you look for this group again, we know how good Stearns is. I think Collins at two, She hasn't been elite. You know, it's not Anna Tarotti at the number two spot for the Longhorns this season. But I think Kylie Collins has been pretty good at that two spot. Obviously, Zanalova has been exceptional at three. You know, no Rapaloo for them this weekend against Oklahoma. Are you out on Texas? Are you crossing them
1: off? Where are you? I feel better about Texas after that match than I I did did probably going into the weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, they, you know, they beat beat Oklahoma state, right? Like let's not forget they beat Oklahoma state in that first match. Um, and then they go to Oklahoma and they play them four three close. I think what I've liked about this Texas team is their doubles has improved. They played around a lot with double pairings early in the season. They've now won consistently some good doubles points. If they can win doubles, you feel like they're a three point team doubles, Stearns and Zaynalova. You can't tell me you can, can't find one more like I feel better about this. If they're this close to Oklahoma's level, then there's no reason they can't make another deep run.
0: I agree with you. I think Shavata clearly not playing her best yet. Neither is Rapaloo. They were proven commodities, played so well last season. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. I hope these teams play a third time in the Big 12 championship because I think that would be a very exciting match. I do wonder if Texas has enough to be a top eight seed. Like, Do they have to beat Oklahoma to ensure themselves one of those spots? Probably not. I think they're going to be okay. Certainly, this Cal win over Pepperdine helps their case. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I think I'm coming out of the weekend glass half full with Texas and thinking, hey, they actually look better. And by the way, thank you, Scotty B. It was Miami who played USC, not Baylor in the kickoff weekend. I'm blanking there. It happens. There's a lot of matches, uh, formula, you know, jumping around in the brain. That said, I feel pretty good about Baylor. I feel pretty good about Oklahoma, uh, about Texas, but. You feel exceptional if you're an Oklahoma fan, 19 and one overall. And again, cruising right now. And if you'd like to hear more about their season, how everything has clicked in Norman and, you know what they plan on doing moving forward to stay motivated to listen tomorrow to my Cracked Interviews podcast, extended conversation with head coach Audra Cohen. She is always such a pleasure uh, to have the chance to speak with. And I promise it is an entertaining conversation that all of you listeners will enjoy. With that said, let's move on to our next headline from the course of the past week. I told you, Jay, I told you this Texas A&M team was good. See, we can just get right into it. I said, Texas A&M's a national title contender. I have said on this podcast. That's what I always like is we can check the tape folks that had they beaten Cal. And let's just go back. And this Texas A&M team 22 and 1 now overall on the season. 4-3 win in Knoxville over Tennessee. 7-0 win over Georgia in Athens this past weekend. They're one loss on the season. Round of 16, national indoors. 3 all comes down to the number 6 singles position. 5-4 far sideline we don't have to relitigate a call did she give a hand gesture to say it was in did the line judge not see it you can ask 50 different people and hear a bunch of different answers point being cal goes on to win the ma- you know point goes to cal for five all instead of six four a and m cal goes on to win the match for three i swear to god jay and i've said this repeatedly had a and m won that match they're beating pepperdine the next day and if they are those two wins to start the season The narrative around this Texas A&M team would be completely different. Now, ultimately, they did not win the match. And they got a good win over ODU. And they got a good win over USC. And certainly, it was a two-in-one performance. But as I told Coach Weaver, coming off of that weekend, it felt like that A&M team was so disgusted with their two-in-one weekend and to lose in the round of 16 and to be knocked out on that stage early. They were just like, you could tell around the team. They said, we are never letting that happen again. They haven't lost. Since that Cal match and you look for them, I mean, again, the numbers for this team are just laughable, Jay. When you look at it, 45 and eight overall in doubles, individual sets, they've won 84.9% of their double sets. Well, you know, in singles, they've just, they've failed. They're 107 and 20. They've only won 84.3% of their singles matches. I mean, yeah, they've piled on against some teams, certainly that they should be beating comfortably, but you look at them this start to the SEC season, 5-2 win against Florida, you know, 7-0 win against Georgia, 4-3 against Tennessee to go at the Mississippis and drop only two points, I think is a pretty impressive performance to beat a South Carolina team 6-1 that I think has gotten a lot better since the start of the season. I mean, they're, for lack of a better term, sorry, West. They're kicking ass and taking names. Like I don't know how else to describe it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a remarkable, remarkable performance against Georgia. I believe it was the only second, the second time Texas A&M has ever beaten Georgia in the history of that series. Um, so it was a pretty remarkable performance. I don't know if I ever really disagreed with you on this Texas A&M team. I'm not going to backtrack, but definitely, I mean you couldn't have gotten a more disappointing two and one national indoors, right? Because both the ODU win and the USC win depreciated pretty quickly after that. So certainly disappointing for them not to have um, not to come away with, with some uh, top 10 wins there. Look, the thing about this Texas A&M team is the question becomes how good do you feel about the SEC? And, the sec has had a few down years, the past few years, you look at the top of the sec, you look at Georgia. So Georgia team who lost to two ACC teams in Virginia and NC state at national indoors. And so it's clear that Texas A&M is the elite of the sec this year. They just, you know, beat down Georgia seven. how elite is that on paper? I think it's pretty good, but I would have liked to have seen them play some non-conference matches instead of beating Tarleton, McNeese, Prairie View, you know, all of these teams that they did run up their records on to get a gauge, right, for what this team looks like. But I'll give you this. I feel really good about three points on this team, and I feel good about the other four. So they have they have answers everywhere. Um, it's just tough when their best win now is is Georgia, which has always been another team that we didn't know much about.
0: True. I would say getting to watch the SEC every week, uh, this this women's conference is deep. Like, I don't know if they're as top-heavy as they've once been, but there's just a, like, if... You know, your seven team is Arkansas or Alabama in that number seven ranking or Vanderbilt in the SEC. Those are good teams this year. Despite all Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's struggles, I still think they're solid. And obviously, Auburn right now, top 10 team, even if you think that's very heavy, they're really good everywhere. I don't think there's a definitive weakness in their lineup. And to your point, that is Texas AM's biggest strength. They are not bad anywhere. Like, I know that sounds stupid. But they are just, they have options. They can find four points by every different permutation calculation you want to turn to. Whether you want it to be Stoyana, Pilette, and Townsend, 4-5-6. Okay, on the right day, you can get that if you need it. You know, and it's always going to be Makarova at two. She's undefeated, 17-0 and 0 at the season. She is playing the best tennis of her career as a fifth year. The ultimate luxury at the two spot. You know, again, you like her against, I don't care, anyone in the country. You know, whether it be a Corley, whether it be uh, you know, Elizabeth Scotty, I don't care. Give me Tatiana Makarova right now. JC Goldsmith has lost twice at the number four position. I think she's 15 and two. Stoyana, you know, pilette, they're just racking up victories and confidence as freshmen. And then you've got options at the sixth spot. But if Katya Townsend's gonna be healthy, that's the option you turn to and you know, two and three win for her over on a hurdle this weekend against Georgia. She was one of two straight set victories. The other one, J.C. Goldsmith, who we haven't, you know, again, straight set win over Meg Kowalski. I think this AM team can continue to get better. Just more reps for Stoyana, Pilette, uh, Carson Brandstein, who's playing her first full season, even if she's been around the college game for a while. I also would push back on Georgia because, again, from an eye test perspective, they have been cruising through the SEC, and they have been answering all of the questions that have been asked. I would also point out they lost four, three set matches in this matchup. And yeah, it was at home, but Manova is still a freshman. Riasco is still a freshman. You know, Liam Ma is not exactly a veteran by any stretch of the imagination. This was really still one of their first tastes of that sort of action. And so does this mean we need the accelerated learning curve for Georgia right now? It's like the margin of error is gone. You lost the one match, that, that's fine, but you probably have to beat a at the conference tournament if you want to ensure that you're a top eight seed. Georgia can still do that, and I think that's a question about them. But I don't hold the – like I, I think a answered all the questions. I think they are that good, even if the schedule was a little soft.
1: Yeah. And that could very well be right. Um, you know, I think a few things that might be coloring my information here is the SEC didn't look that strong and in indoors. Uh, you know, you looked at, you know, Florida struggled um, Georgia, obviously I mentioned their losses, but yeah, look, but I mean, we can matches say matches
0: were close. Florida lost a couple, four, three, right. And, you know, Georgia was right there with NC state should have won that doubles point highway robbery that they did not win at the number two spot. And again, That was the freshman there for Georgia. And, you know, again, like they're right there against Virginia as well in that match. I think that I you're right that you got to win the matches. Otherwise, you lost them and a loss is a loss. I can spin a glass half full as much as I'd like. At the same time, I think the SEC is good. Not great, but definitely good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's relative to like the ACC, right? So sure. The SEC is probably the second best conference in the country. (laughs) Like that is good. Um, So I'm I'm not saying that it's just tough to know where like Texas A&M is a top 10 team. They've clearly proven that it's just tough to know whether they're four right behind, you know, our kind of like top three or if it's six, seven, eight, like that's a little bit tough to figure out right now, but on paper, right. You're just looking at that talent and you walk through the names they're they're gonna be favored against pretty much most almost all the teams that they're gonna face.
0: I think they're the in the second tier. If it's North Carolinas in Tier one A on their own right now, Oklahoma NC State Tier one B, I think tier two is A and M and a couple other schools on the right week, you know, again, on the right day, you'll say Pepperdine. on the wrong day, you'll say not Pepperdine. Um, others, there are a bunch of other tier two uh, teams right now, and I think the cluster of teams in that tier is what makes this season so fascinating. but, yeah, i think the aggies are definitively there and i had the chance actually because obviously there have been some good schools uh good teams to come through texas a&m and the last time the ncaa tournament was in Champaign, the a women made the women's final that's a great uh, point. in that ncaa year 2013. with that in mind i wanted to ask coach weaver and you can hear a full conversation breaking down all the freshmen what's clicked of course on the cracked interviews podcast as well that's right folks make it up for lost time with a two cracked interviews podcast wednesday but I straight up asked him, is this the best team he's had during his tenure at College Station? Let's hear what Coach Weaver had to say.
3: Yeah, you know, there's hardly a match that we approach that we know we're the better team. We really believe we're the better team. Uh, we really feel like every position, if we play well, we're, we're going to win. And that's a lot of confidence to bring, you know, individually on on each girl's court and knowing that the your teammates playing next to you are going to have a great shot at winning. And uh yeah, I, I would say me as the head coach, it's my seventh year. Now I would say this is our, our best team. You know, we had some really good teams back when I worked with Howard Joffe, and uh, you know, we'll wait and see With well, this might be as good of a team as uh, we had in at 2013. Uh, you know, when you beat Georgia 7-0 at Georgia, uh, you know, we actually never beat Georgia back in those years. So, so who knows, uh, maybe Georgia's, I think they're a pretty comparable team now than what they were then. So who knows? That's a while, while back. We'll, I guess we'll wait to see how the season plays out. I feel like on a talent basis uh right now, uh, it's about as, as, as good as I can uh, recall from any of our years. And uh we'll, we'll see how how we finish.
0: We will indeed see how they finish. So AM and m again, a 2-0 weekend, 4-3 over Tennessee, 7-0 over Georgia. On the flip side – it was a really nice bounce back win for Tennessee uh, the next day, and I believe I'm blanking on who they who they beat, but they beat someone pretty soundly 7-0 uh, on the Sunday. And then you look, you know, so for Tennessee, one and one, and they had a rough couple of matches in uh, SEC conference play, but I thought it was a good bounce back weekend for them. I mean, they were whiskers away from winning that match against AM in Knoxville. I would also, you know, if they win that number one doubles set, which was a back and forth affair, ultimately Goldsmith and Makarova take it. There were like five straight breaks, I think, in the middle of that set. I thought they were right there. And again, 7-0 sounds way worse than the match really was for Georgia, where I thought the fact that they're a little freshman-reliant and youth-reliant up top, like, it got exposed a bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, You know, I think the battle at three, though, was all freshmen. That was quite the the battle. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this is you know, a match that Georgia will learn a lot from with their, you know, Riasco at two, Vidmanova at three. They'll learn a lot from this. Even Hertel hasn't played a lot in singles. This is her first real full single season. So I think they'll take a lot from this. They'll be looking forward to the SEC uh, tournament. Um, But overall, I just want to go on the record. Is Texas A&M a national contender team? Yes. Okay,
0: I like that. Okay. Welcome to the so, club. I've got room for you. I made a little spot on the bandwagon. On the flip side, by the way, for Tennessee, it is—it was a rough stretch, and the match they'd want back is South Carolina, which they lost four-one yes. in Columbia. But you know, they faced the gauntlet, and they would have really liked, you think, to get at least one win to try and stake a claim as a top sixteen seed. But you know, they're knocked off by Florida, by Georgia, by A and M. The bounce back win was seven-zero over LSU at home, an LSU team that's healthy. And I think so much better than they were at this. Like if this was the LSU team, we saw a kickoff weekend and we had from the start of the season, they would be below the NCAA cutoff line. Like they would be in the top 40, not a doubt in my mind. Now it's probably, you know, to quote my girl, Jojo, too little, too late. Uh, But that's a really nice bounce back win for Tennessee. And look, there are still points on the board. Auburn, Alabama swing. If Tennessee sweeps that interesting. If they beat Arkansas as well, They'll need some things to go their way. Certainly, they'd have to have a really good SEC tournament, probably get to the semifinals or better. But I wouldn't completely write them off yet of an NCAA host ship. And again, that's something we'll talk about more as we get towards our rankings discussion at the end of this show. Uh, again, you look for Georgia. They've beaten everyone they needed to beat. And now that they've lost to a m okay, that's fine. For them, certainly, if they beat, if they run the gauntlet the rest of the way in the conference, get another shot at AM and and win that match in the conference tournament. Top eight seed. Very, very much in play. Uh, with that said, though, let's move on to some of the other action that happened across the country. And you're our West Coast correspondent, so we go out to the West Coast now. Stanford, Cal, sweeping USC. Stanford, 5-2 over the Trojans. Cal, 4-3. Subsequently, obviously, Cal just earns another 4-3 win over Pepperdine as well. If the question is which Pac-12 teams can separate themselves, A, you know, and this is where I'll sneak in this conversation, UCLA's had to cancel a bunch of matches. That UCLA-Stanford match canceled, and it's been two weekends in a row for the Bruins, We just as they were gaining steam. We don't really know if they're on this tier or not. Is the Pac-12 race right now uh, essentially a Stanford versus Cal sort of race?
1: Yeah, it is certainly for the regular season title, right? Because I believe the UCLA matches are just straight up canceled, not, not rescheduled. So Stanford and Cal won't face UCLA until the actual tournament. So for the regular season, it's going to come down to that April match between Stanford and Cal who both look fairly compared comparable. If you look at kind of how they did against the shared opponent in USC this weekend, but certainly not when you look at, how they both did respectively against Pepperdine. So yeah, the regular season title will come down to Stanford and Cal.
0: Yeah. And when is that match? What,
1: two weekends from now? It is like, it's the middle weekend in April, I think. Yeah. In, do we know where it's in Berkeley? Are you going? Do I need to go now?
0: <laughs> well, how far is Berkeley?
1: <laughs> it's not that far. Yeah. You need to go.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. You have a homework assignment. My friend. Okay. Um, I'm so conflicted on this Cal team. I watch them, and there are moments when it screams year away. Just screams year away. And I don't know. Maybe Pepperdine's just the opposite of their kryptonite. What's So, obviously, the sun for Superman. But whatever that special uh, you know co- equation is that just brings out their best tennis, that seems to be Pepperdine for them. Seems just scraps. Like, they've got grinders everywhere. Wiersham loses her first match three sets today to Janice Chen. But, like, you know, she looks again, excellent against USC, and you feel like this team between Giovara and whomever they're playing at two, whether it's El Sola, whether it's you know Ivanov, that they can steal one of the top two, they can steal one of three and four, and they should take one, if not both, of five and six. It's like they're going to get three singles matches. It's can they find a fourth point.
1: Yeah, I actually think the the bookends of of their team is actually the weaker positions, right? Giovara, I'm not sure, is even batting 500 this year. And um, Ivanov actually played six today. I think she's been out for a while. So that's where it gets dicey. The strength of this is um, Osola has looked good. Weir has looked excellent. And Rosenquist, right? Like those are three. home? Katja or Henrik? Well, now the combined duo of them (laughs) on court. Um, so the the Katya coached shown, or uh, the Henrik coached Katya, although yeah, we- you know, uh maybe he's to blame for the loss today. Um, but I mean those are really the 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 strength of this lineup um is, is that middle portion. And yeah, I mean look, they get they get beaten easily by UCLA. They come back out, you know, a few weeks later, they beat Pepperdine. I have no idea what to make of this Cal team, but this win for them, it was going to be a battle between Cal and USC and UCLA and Stanford for a top 16 seed. This puts Cal up in the conversation of top eight seed, particularly if they win out in the Pac-12. I think they'll be a top eight seed.
0: Yeah, you look at the projected rankings, yeah, our friend Chris Hallior's at College Tennis Ranks, and I'm going to hit refresh real quick because I have forgot to do that post this victory. You look for Cal right now with their win. I believe they're up to number 12 in the projected rankings. I don't know if that factors in their victory today over. It probably doesn't. It does. Uh, it does on the what if I
1: looked okay. at that earlier. Cal's up to nine.
0: Nine on the what? Yeah, what's crazy is they've beaten Pepperdine twice and they're not a the top eight team. And that speaks to, again, the loss at Michigan and just some of the funkiness. So they've got a win over a as well, a win that appreciates more appreciates. and more yep. with value. They've got, you know, if they beat Stanford, if they beat UCLA, this team will be top eight uh, come the end of the season. And again, this is a team that's extraordinarily young. We will talk about them as national title contenders next season for certain. The question is... Is it a year early for them? Can they do it three matches in a row over the course of three days? I think that's a question. All of us are waiting to see answered. Two days for the women, though, because they get a day off. Between, so it goes Elite Eight, day off, semifinals, finals. That's interesting. Okay, that'll be. uh,
1: Men have to go three straight.
0: Yeah, three out of four days, though. That's a lot of tennis consecutive. Still a lot. Yes, that'll be interesting to monitor. Ditto, by the way, for the Stanford team, which you look in, again, the projected rankings coming into things. Stanford right now, number 17 in the latest iteration of the projected rankings. I mean, again, this team's really good. I don't know if they're great. If they had Michaela Gordon, they would for sure be great because that's what they're missing is just a little more oomph at the top of their lineup just to solidify that top three because – I think Ma and can be excellent. I think there's a lot of pressure on them to be excellent match in, match out as Stanford still tries to figure out three, four, and five. They were really good this weekend. And like again, on the right weekend, they're going to look excellent. I'm not out on Stanford, but I'm not, I, they're not making the NCAA final, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're not going to win the tournament. They're not going to make the final. Mo, Connie Ma is excellent. So- and, you know, she's her. The only match she's lost this dual season is that match to Emma the Nevada. amount
0: of people who when they ask me, what is it? You know, what's going on right now in the college tennis world? Usually in the first three things I say is, well, if Connie Ma decides she wants to be a pro tennis player, she's going to be really freaking good because, oh, my God, is Connie Ma good.
1: Yeah. And that was an incredible match. I tweeted out, I was disappointed with coach Swain switching Cayetano down to two yeah. to rob us of the Cayetano Connie match. But Salma Ewing played incredible tennis. And I mean, she threw the kitchen sink at Connie Ma and Connie had answers throughout. I mean, just incredible court sense, incredible shot selection. I mean, she just is able, she isn't not going to dominate with you with power, but she's still able to be the aggressor in so many of these points. I was super impressed uh, and continue to be in watching her play.
0: Yeah, it's, again, just really good tennis across the board. I, I think the Stanford team is playing really well. You know, it's interesting. We talked about it the, the same way with Georgia. I actually thought USC played way better this weekend, and it's a shame that they go into 2 because they're probably out of sweet, uh, top 16 contention now just with how yeah. rough a stretch that they've had. At the same time, I don't want them in my region. Like, I still think they can very – they have a very good chance of making the NCAA round of 16.
1: Yeah. What's going to be frustrating about all of this is you're going to have like Cal and Pepperdine be the top, you know, 16 seeds. And then where they're going to face Stanford, USC, and all of their regionals. Uh, but no, I thought USC looked good. And particularly Cayetano who both got wins over Yapa Fanova and Ossola. Those are good wins for her. Those are much needed confidence boosters. And Ewing played great against Connie Ma, even though she lost uh, she beat Giovara. You know, this USC team, they've got answers in a lot of positions, as particularly with Naomi Chung back. Um, it's good to see them healthy, uh, but it's going to be tough to be a top 16 seed.
0: Yeah, it's, again, just... Everyone's deep. Uh, Everyone's really good. Uh, And certainly for UFC, it's just they got some really good wins early in the season. But now do they have enough to compete with everyone else? Maybe if they ran the table at the conference championship, which isn't impossible. Uh, But certainly, uh, yeah, you look Stanford Cal now, I would say, in the driver's seats as you look at the Pac-12 race. Uh, Let's go to the ACC now. Talk about our upset of the weekend. Florida State coming to life. 4-2 win over Duke. And You know, again, for a Duke team that makes this, you know, goes 0-2 against the South Florida teams, although I don't know if Florida State's technically South Florida, but they lose to Florida State, they lose to Miami this weekend as well. And, you know, again, for the Duke team that I believe hadn't lost since the kickoff weekend to Oklahoma, a loss that is certainly appreciated in value. There's a lot to like about the Duke core. We know what Drummy and Chen and, you know, uh, Chloe Beck are capable of. And certainly Jackson and Coleman, the freshmen, have looked very, very good by the standard, you know, by freshman standards here to start the season. That said, Florida State's had the year from hell. And like, I don't care where the match is played. You can't lose this match 4 two to Florida State if you want to be a top eight seed, like unequivocally bad loss for Duke. Great win for Florida State, but had loss for Duke.
1: Well, particularly when number six singles was forfeited by Florida State. Right, they had five singles players. Vic Allen got uh, injured in doubles there. Uh, Florida State did take doubles, but it, it wasn't even close. I mean, those matches at three and four that FSU took, they were they were dominant performances by FSU, and the only singles victory I think Duke took that was actually played was number two singles with Chloe Beck. And that was won by retirement. Um, So just a, just a thumping from Florida state, despite being shorthanded, despite not having many of the pieces and just a very, very bad loss uh, for Duke.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it's one thing for this Duke team who I still think big picture, you know, these sorts of weekends happen, right. To even the best teams, you're going to go on the road or you're going to have home weekends where just things don't break your way, but you know, this team had their full roster in for Duke this weekend. It wasn't as though Kelly Chen was out, right? It wasn't as though as Georgia Drummy was out this weekend. And yeah, that South Florida swing, you know, going to Miami, going to Florida state is probably the most brutal swing in the ACC to play those two matches outdoors, late March, early April, when the majority of schools have been practicing inside, just not accustomed to the heat that you get when you play these Florida matches at the same time. Florida state did not have a six singles player. And like, if you go through this match, you look, it's just, you know, for, uh, for Billiken to lose in straight sets, one and three at four, for Kelly Chen to lose two and three at the three spot, you know, the drummy loss, that's a top 20 battle that, that I think you can anticipate happening on the day, but you lose straight sets at three and four, you lose the doubles point as well. Like that just can't happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, And by the way, I I would point out that against Miami, the next day you look for this Duke team, you know, again, it was four and five that lost in straight sets. Billiken lost 0-0 against Miami. I know Audrey Bach Bach Collins is very, very good, but like Duke right now is a player short.
1: Well, particularly if they're going to go 0-2 from Drummy on the weekend, right, Exactly, and and not get wins from the top. Um, So right now – Chloe Beck is looking like the only bright spot on this Duke team. Yeah. And they've got a long ways to go to turn things around. This loss will really hurt them. Um, they're lucky that the ACC is really deep. They've already banked that Virginia win against the uh, Travinsky-less Virginia. So, It's not total disaster for Duke, right? They'll be still somewhat ranked, and they'll be in the top 16. It's not going to drop them out of that. No,
0: and and they can still be top eight because they've got the carrots on the end of the stick. North Carolina State, North Carolina is still on the schedule. They get the Tar Heels at home. They're at NC State this Friday, 5 p.m. Like, If they want to be top eight, they need to go one and one in those two matches.
1: And, And add on to like what they need to do in the tournament. Yeah, Um, sure.
0: They probably need to beat one of those top two teams, maybe twice get two wins over them between now and the end of the ACC tournament. Yeah, certainly beat a Virginia again would help stake their claim or something like that. And so, yeah, Duke's not out of it at the same time. What a win. God did Florida State need this win so badly, just so freaking badly. And That's a great win for the Seminoles. And, you know, again, for Duke, I think it's worth mentioning it's the twofold. It's have a loss to just Miami this weekend and gone one and one. I don't think that's a bad weekend, particularly a 4-3 loss at Miami, top 10 team in the country right now. That's just not a bad loss on the road. To to go 0-2 that weekend, you just can't afford to with the race for the top eight being the margins as thin as they are. And so great win for Florida State, really tough loss for the blue devils. Let's with that though, in mind, get to the best of the rest as we look at what happened throughout the country. This weekend, Oklahoma state, I thought, you know, they obviously get the Texas Baylor swing as well. And you look for Oklahoma state, they beat Baylor, get knocked off by Texas. I think they've established themselves as number three. I know you would agree in that big 12 race. They're clearly going to be top 16 pushing for top eight gets a little tougher after the loss to Texas.
1: Yeah, assuming that they don't beat Oklahoma or Texas um, again, which it, it looks like it will be tough, they're definitely, but they've definitely solidified themselves as number three. I know you had them at number like two and a half with Iowa State. Yeah. I believe that is not the case. Uh, they are firmly in the driver's seat at number three in the Big Twelve.
0: If Oklahoma State played Duke right now, NCAA Sweet Sixteen, who are you taking? Are you
1: just taking the home team? Um. No, I would definitely take Oklahoma State on just on the strength okay. of the bo- of the bottom half of that lineup. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought the Cowgirls were excellent. They had, to your point, just the depth. Like they've just got it. They're another one of those teams. I was joking uh, I, I think I was talking about this with you earlier in this show. This is show number seven for me on the day. So cut me some slack. They're just I mean, they're just good everywhere. Like, they're another one of those teams. They're not bad anywhere where it's just like, yeah, they sure, Lisa Marie Rowe can win at one, and they can win this match at four, and on the right day, they're going to look like this at six, and it's just they've got options. I would not want to see that team before the NCAA quarterfinals because, yeah, you can absolutely lose to them.
1: Yeah. The only thing I'll say about this is that Texas loss is a little worse than it looks. I mean, Texas was without the Pond that day. That's at home against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State needed to win that match. Yeah, that, that
0: was a tough one for sure. And again, in the top eight race, particularly. Although I do think Oklahoma State has enough right now on the on the schedule to earn pretty comfortably a top sixteen seed. Yep. To move on to the Pepperdine Waves, who, you know, it looks like they were. You know, we can officially cross off UC Santa Barbara. They lose to Pepperdine, and we talked about that last week. Pepperdine knocks off LMU as well, both comfortably. And then they lose today 4-3 to Cal. It's like, we don't have to do this segment again because we do it every week. But, like, what do we do with Pepperdine? What do we do?
1: We just ride the waves.
0: Yeah, <laughs> good one. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, do you have any new thoughts after today's result?
1: No. I mean, I pose the thoughts of, like, Flores in no world should be losing at 5 to Cal against uh, Voler Miller in straight sets. That is... A bad loss. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. Yeah. I, I, I don't
0: think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you look at the performance again for Pepperdine, you know, they drop doubles this time, and Brodus and Chen suffer a rare loss at the number two spot to Giovara and Ivanov, who are also a ranked team for what it's worth. They go patch Galeva at the number three double spot instead of uh, Shuri Fakuda. That was noticeable to me because I my favorite of the pairings was actually Fakuda and uh Imochkine mm-hmm. as a or uh, excuse me, Fakuda and Pashkaleva as opposed to any other it's opposed to today's Imachkine uh and Pashkaleva. I mean, that's a good win for Fakuda, two and two over Giovara. Czar losing in three very rarely happens, but what's noticeable to me is like Brodus has worked her way up to the three spot. Chen is staying at four. She gets a really impressive win over Weir's home today. But, yeah, it keeps coming down to, like, Flores. It's Vicky Flores. I think that's what we really have identified. It's like the Vicky Flores we thought we were getting at the start of the season has not been there to this point of the year. And why we refuse to write them off is because Vicky Flores has earned the benefit of the doubt. All-American, fifth year, playing at five singles. Like, it's just too appealing on paper to write off but it's another loss for her against someone in Villa Muller who really doesn't have the weapons to hurt. Her.
1: No, I would say it's been the, the, the decline of Flores and also the absence of Patch uh sure. and her form this season. Right. And we talked about that. So we don't need to rehash it again, but those are the Achilles heels for that team right now. And you, you pull not even pull, but if you pull Patch Galeva, you leave Flores in there as taking a loss, just the calculus gets tough. Um, and that's what you saw against, uh, against Cal today.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. And so, you know, again, they're probably still going to be uh, top uh, top eight seed come the NCAA tournament. They've just had so many shots at so many good teams, and they've won a bunch of them. Uh, now, they still have that gem at the end of the season, again, against Oklahoma, and if they win
1: that match. And Oklahoma which, State.
0: Yeah, which, by the way, you just feel like oh, Pepperdine is going to sweep those matches, and then we're all <laughs> going to be riding the waves into the NCAA tournament, and then something ridiculous is going to happen. My Wolverines are going to get revenge or something in the round of 16 um, yeah, it's a wave still with the pepperdine. I think you said it best. So we'll stay there. Let's move to Miami. Twelve and three overall are the Miami Hurricanes. And you look for them again. They earned a 6-1 win over Virginia, 4-3 win over Duke. The yes, you know, 4-3 win over Wake Forest. Their losses are 4-3 at NC State, 6-1 to North Carolina, then a 4-3 loss kickoff weekend to USC. None of those losses, particularly that USC at team at that time with context, not a single bad loss on the Miami resume right now. And you look for them, you know, the real the the juicy stuff on the ACC calendar is gone. Their last four matches: Notre Dame, Louisville, Syracuse, Boston College. That said, they're probably going to be sixteen and three heading into the postseason conference play, and they're probably going to be the number three seed at the ACC tournament. That said. I don't think of them as a top eight team. I think for sure they're a top 16 team short of making the ACC tournament final. I don't know if I can have them top eight because like, again, yeah, the wins over Duke, Virginia are good, but if you look at the non-conference play for them, a good four, actually good 4 three wins over old dominion, UCF, Kansas, Georgia tech. I just don't know if that's going to be enough for top eight good, but not great non-conference wins.
1: Yeah, it might not be enough uh, top eight on the rankings. And look, I mean, that Virginia lot, uh, win was certainly impressive. Um, but is it an outlier? I was a little disappointed with the score lines in particular against UNC. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. UNC rolled in singles at three, five and six, the bottom of the lineup really shining through. You know, Scotty was the lone loss and then she didn't play the next match. So maybe she was struggling with some health stuff. So Yeah, it's tough to know. I mean, it's actually good news for Miami that like the juicy part of the schedule is behind them because they got through unscathed. Now they have the rest of the ACC. I think they've pretty much locked up that top three seed, like you mentioned. So it'll come down to the ACC tournament where they'll have to face a UNC and NC State, another Virginia matchup, and, and we'll see how good they are there. Simon Earnshaw, please don't get mad at me. I am so
0: ready for Crawley Shanta part two and Pisareva Reva, Tan part two and Yarla Goddess Staker part two. Like, God willing, we'll get another UNC-Oklahoma matchup this season because I start, you know, you talk about it, the four, five, six for UNC separating themselves that weekend. And they're the real, you know, I obviously, watching North Carolina do what they did at the national indoors, how can you not embrace this team? Call them a national title contender, I didn't think this team was as good as last year's team through the first, you know, heading into March. But watching them, the routine nature with which they've ripped through this ACC season, this North Carolina team is that good. Like, they really are that good. And to beat this Miami team in Miami 6-1 in the dominant fashion they did at the bottom of the lineup, like, it's just a it's a good win for North Carolina. They are legitimately I'm still not ready to say the team to beat because I do think Oklahoma on the right day will beat them. I do think NCC on the right day could absolutely beat them as well. But their best I do think is the best of anyone.
1: Yeah, well we'll we'll talk about this in the week ahead, right, about yeah. um about UNC's schedule, but look, I mean it's it's relative season to season, right? Like would this year's UNC team beat last year's UNC team? That's an interesting question. I think maybe. Uh, before I would have said
0: no for sure. Now I would say maybe because I think Crawley's winning at four for sure. I kind of like the doubles of this year's team a little bit better than I liked last year's. I mean, no one's beating Graham Davatel if the match matters. Like if it's right. an NCAA tournament, you're just not beating them. So that's two points on the board, old North Carolina. I mean, Crawley goes to the real winner is Fiona Crawley in this scenario, who just wins every match she plays. Right. She would win at five or six. But I think they're as good. Like, I think it's a four, three match.
1: Yeah. And that could be that could be true. Uh, certainly, we didn't think that coming into the season. But which exactly which is the point I'm trying to make is yep. this Carolina team. Tan Gillig
0: is that good. Your Ligata is that option at six. Like, yep. I, I think that question has been answered but again really good weekend for Miami I would yep. say and so you continue to feel positively about the Hurricanes as we head towards postseason play that in mind how about Daria Freeman and Princeton really nice 4-3 win for them over Old Dominion and you know consolidating our theory of you just don't want to see them first round of the NCAA tournament because if they're healthy that team's going to be a nightmare now it's noticeable that startup save actually beats Freeman yep. in that ODU match and yet That's indicative of the depth Princeton can have when everyone plays.
1: Yeah, they had everyone back. They had, you know, Freeman, Hugh, Schwatz, Howard, everyone in the lineup. Um, You know, and they kind of dominated that middle portion of the lineup, which makes sense because of that depth that you talked about, three, four, and five. Um, So it's a good win for Princeton. It's a great win for them. They absolutely needed it. I mean, they have several zero-pointers on their ranking right now just because they don't have many wins. Now they go into Ivy League play. They won't get much ranking boost there. I went on the record about Texas A&M. I'm going to go on the the record again, making a prediction here with this Princeton team. You can essentially lock it in now. They will be the four-seed in Virginia's region. Yeah, just lock it in? Lock it in. Yeah. Where
0: else are they going? Yeah, I'm trying to look around. I mean, Ohio State,
1: maybe, maybe it's less yeah. than like it's like 300 miles between Princeton and UVA. Yeah, you'd have to again. You'll t- you tell me. Um,
0: it's no, it's look they're freaking dangerous like they're i want right. no part i want no part of the princeton tigers in that first round of the ncaa tournament they are yeah. right away have whoever they're playing on upsettler. i don't care the number of the seed and this team's taken a million lumps this year so they'll be ready uh, for that matchup but that's a really good win for princeton and unfortunately probably good bounce back win for odu the next uh day or two days later i think against columbia but uh, certainly you look for OD. You're going to be really tough for them to make a top 16 push at this point yep. as well. I mean, they're in the NCAA tournament for sure. Uh, but will they make a top 16 push? It gets a little bit tougher. Upsets of the week. You got a couple of nominations here. You say Oregon over Washington 4-0. I would agree with you there. Clemson over Furman 4-2. Certainly surprising.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: could not afford to lose that match to Oregon though. That's why to me it's the biggest upset because it's the most significant of the results.
1: Yeah, and the score lines were pretty shocking. I mean it yeah. was they Oregon didn't drop a set, right? They took six first sets and then they took three straight set wins. So that was a total thumping from Oregon, which was kind of added to the surprise of the result. Um and again, this is a Washington who's had some surprising results like this loss to Oregon, but some also excellent results on the season. So Probably knocks them out of a, a top 16 seed. They still have a few of the the California Pac 12 schools to face, so they could stay in that kind of 20ish range. But um, definitely feels like this was uh, this was a blow that they couldn't afford.
0: Yeah, it it, it certainly hurts their campaign for top 16 seed. Now they still got some low hanging fruit on the calendar, and they're going to get the shots at the Stanfords, right at the USCs, at the UCLA's. Hopefully, again, but certainly. Uh, again, in order to be a top 16 seed, you just got to take care of the matches you're supposed to win. And they were supposed to win this one. Now, credit to Oregon, certainly a good win for the Ducks. But that's when you got to have uh, yep. if you're Washington with that in mind. By the way, really good win for Clemson. I don't mean to write that off because that's a really good Furman team. And yes. Clemson men and women have just been frisky this year. Like in a way you, you see the investment in the facilities, everything slowly paying dividends.
1: Yeah, and it was a great win because of the comeback from Medvedeva. She came back from 2-6, 4-5, win that match, 2-6, 7-5, 7-5, ultimately get the win there. So it was a it was a good win. That's an excellent win over a Furman team that's been solid. And a Furman team that couldn't afford to lose to, to Clemson, they kind of want to rack up those bottom-tier ACC wins. Um, so that was a tough blow for them as well. 100%
0: agree. Well, with that in mind, let's get to our game of good win, bad loss here this week. And we can rapid fire through all of the results. As again, there are plenty uh, for us to cover. Let's start uh, with UNC, who we talked about earlier. 5-2 uh, win for them, excuse me, over FSU. I think that's just a good win. And again, I, to me, indicative of UNC teams rolling.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was surprised, though. This is the first time they've they've lost two singles matches since the Oklahoma match at Indoors. Um, so that was a surprise, but look all around, that was a good weekend for FSU.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. And so, again, good uh, good weekend for that. And that was the other thing I wanted to bring up as well is that was, in my opinion, probably the best weekend of FSU season. And yeah. is it too little, too late? We will find out, but certainly a good result for them. How about Duke knocking off Northwestern? I, I thought that was a good win for Duke coming into the week. And you figured, OK, they're looking good having it into the Sunshine Swing. That's a nice little rankings boost, the ones you sort of won't think about. But win seven, eight, nine for them on the resume, that Northwestern win will count come the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I haven't been that impressed with this Northwestern team uh, this year. They're certainly not the Northwestern team we're used to. Um, and Duke didn't exactly roll away with that match. But you're right. I mean, it should show up there on 7 eight, 9 Good some non-ACC points. Yeah,
0: again. And in the end, that's what matters. All right, again, we're rapid firing through here. LMU, four over Utah. LMU is just good. Like, they're a top 25 team. They should make at least the second round of the NCAA tournament. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Good win. Cal State Fullerton, 4-3 over Utah. Utah was undefeated at one point. That's a tough loss for them.
1: But a great win for the Cal State Fullerton program. Absolutely. So you're going good win? No, I'm going bad loss, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. bad
0: loss. Fair. Arizona State, 4 over Rice.
1: So that's a good win.
0: I'm so confused about this Arizona State team. On the right week, they look excellent. I really wanted to see them play Ohio State and that match getting canceled on Sunday. Major bummer. Arizona 4 3 win over Rice. I just think Arizona, obviously, men's team last year, what they were able to do, and they're still frisky here this year. I just think watch out for Arizona. Both their men's and women's teams are playing better and better
1: tennis. Yeah. Good, another, you know, good win. Yeah. They're having a good season. Michigan 4 3 over Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> uh, we, this is like the se- third, second or third straight week where we've said like, uh, like I guess a good win for Michigan because they got the win, uh, but certainly didn't look impressive doing it.
0: They're a year away. I thought Wisconsin looked really good and this continues my validate and I did a full Big Ten Breakdown podcast, which you can all listen to on the Great Shot podcast feed where I wax poetically about Wisconsin. They are a top 40 team like they just are, they're very good at doubles. And if Markham's going to play this well, and her forehand was just firing in an upset win over Cardi Miller in three sets, I think they're good everywhere, whether it's Cataldi and, you know, the options they've got at five and six, I think, you know, Shinut has the power tennis to disrupt anyone at the two spot when she plays her best. I just think they're going to be up one Oh against a lot of people. And then they have options. They have different pathways to six, Uh, to six to four points in their six single spots. I think they should finish a definitive fourth in the big 10. I think they should lose to everyone, but the three sure things, Ohio state, Michigan, Northwestern. I think Michigan's a year away. If Michigan makes the quarterfinals this year of the NCAA tournament, it's a massive success. If they make the sweet 16, that's a great launching point for this team moving forward next year. Ohio state's the team to beat in the conference. I think that's become pretty clear at the same time, like in a vacuum, each Michigan singles flight can win any given match. Like, Mesa can hang with anyone at six on the right day. Fliegner can hang with anyone at five on the right day. All the way through, you know, against Serdon, Hammond, Brown, Miller. They're just really bad at doubles. And, like, they're going to be down 0-1. And it's just really hard against the best teams to find four points, let alone four points consecutively. Now, they've done it against solid teams But I don't think they're going to be able to do it against the best repeatedly. And it just feels like this is the year they get away with thievery. Next year's the year where they play on their own terms and assert themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean. Thus, (laughs) bad loss. For Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, because they should have won that match. God, should they have won that match. Um, And they needed that one because they've had four threes break just against them. Some heartbreakers. And so. Uh, certainly that was tough. And you see like had they beaten one of ODU or USC or Michigan, just steal one Northwestern. Then we're not having a debate about if they're an NCAA tournament team. And unfortunately now we do have to, as we keep going through Nebraska, four, one over Purdue, four, three over Indiana. I bring this up to say, I think Nebraska is the, like Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois is the race to try and get a fifth big 10 team into the NCAA tournament that only I'm going to nerd out about. But it's a really fun race because I think this Nebraska team is pretty solid.
1: Yeah, and you've been high on this Purdue team, so that's yeah. a, a good win for the Nebraska team.
0: Yeah, you know I, I have takes. I, I Now I have takes on everything, Jay. I know. Um, all right, let's switch to SEC territory. Auburn 6-1 over Arkansas. Good win. Very. Good. I, th- I thought that could have been an upset. I agree with you. Arkansas 4-1 over Bama. Great bounce back, in yep. my opinion. That's good win. exactly what you want. They're
1: getting a lot of SEC wins this season.
0: Yeah, Florida 4-3 over Mississippi State. Good win. I would agree. Uh, and I think that, again, speaks to the friskiness of the Mississippi State team, who will finish in the bottom three probably. And if the SEC and outside the NCAA tournament, that's a damn good yeah. team.
1: And they're not um, getting blown out by anyone. That's yeah, the thing.
0: I would like to see them play Wisconsin because uh, I think that would be a very fun match. <laughs> South Carolina 5-2 over roll Miss. South Carolina is another one of those sleeping on-the-rise teams I would want no part of come the NCAA tournament just because I don't want to
1: deal with Hamner and Ackley. Right. Yeah. And and they got that win without Hamner as well. I mean, she played, yeah. she, she took a loss. Um, so that's a good win for South Carolina, Tennessee. We already mentioned great bounce back
0: seven over LSU. We got the Arkansas over Alabama, Texas tech four, two over Iowa state. Good win, bad loss.
1: I think needed win, I would
0: say, but bad loss. I yeah.
1: agree. Needed. I mean, needed win for Texas tech, but yeah,
0: mm-hmm. not great. Kansas four, two over SMU. Good win. I agree. Kansas State four two over Tulsa, another good one. UCLA cancellations, bad loss for all of us. It's just huge. so unfortunate,
1: and, yeah. And the Pac twelve, huge like mm. they blow the Pac twelve. I mean, those are two matches, two wins for teams that they're not going to get that are going to elevate that that conference that's already on this like top sixteen bubble. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Well, with all of that said, let's move on now to the rankings because certainly uh now is where things get fun. And you've heard us allude to it top ten versus top sixteen. Here's our crack rackets top sixteen for all of you here this week. And obviously it's an accumulation of Jay and my rankings in our top 16 looking together. Not much action for us changing at the top. North Carolina still one, Oklahoma two, North Carolina State three. Now we should mention we submitted these to West off before. The Pepperdine-Cal result was finalized. Obviously, Pepperdine right now, number four, Cal number 13, and so they'd have a fourth matchup set up hypothetically in the Sweet 16. How hilarious is that, Jay, uh, right now? But uh, obviously, that's going to shift a little bit here. a up to five, highest they've been in our Crack Rackets poll this season. Texas six, Georgia seven, Ohio State eight. So those would be your eight hosts of the Super Region Sweet 16 matches. You look at our 9 through 16 spot, our other host sites right now. We have Miami 9, Auburn 10, Virginia 11, Oklahoma State 12, Cal 13, Stanford 14, Duke 15, and our final hosts, the University of Florida at 16. So most notably there, of course, no Michigan, no UCLA, no Baylor, all those teams just missing out. No LMU, no UCSB, you know, those teams on the outside looking in right now. I mean, your first glance, as you look at this top 16, how's it feel?
1: You're right. I was totally wondering if Michigan made the cut here. That was the (laughs) first team I was thinking of. No, I mean, these all feel very right. Although with the Pepperdine loss, it's like, oof, do we have do we have Texas A&M at four? Is that what we're going with? Um, but other than that, I do think these are the right eight, but kind of both of those tiers. Um, so that's the
0: question I was going to have for you. Yeah. You look at it, does Georgia have enough right now? They, you know, If they beat Auburn, because they haven't played Auburn yet, if memory serves me correct. correct. And so if they beat Auburn, they'd have a win over Auburn. They'd have a win over Ohio State. And they've had a, we've looked pretty, a win over Florida. And, you know, we've looked good against everyone we've played thus far card to play. Are those, you know, the win over Ohio State, a potential win over Auburn, are those better signature wins than the wins Miami has over Virginia, over Duke? Like, that's where you're picking margins there. I think for Ohio State, their wins, you know, over Pepperdine, over Florida, over Auburn, uh, I, I think that sort of speaks for themselves, the close losses to NC State. And, yeah, I know they lose to Georgia. I think Auburn's, uh, Ohio State's probably got the best wins of the seven, eight, nine groupings. I think I test-wise, obviously Georgia just beat Ohio State, so that's why they're above them right now. Of the 9 through 16 teams, I would say the one you watch out most for is Cal because Cal's just now two wins over Pepperdine, and they've still got Stanford left on the board. They've got the win over USC as well. If they play UCLA, conference tournament, whatever it may be, they've got that on the board as well. Of the nine through 16 teams, I think Cal is the one most likely to penetrate the top eight group because you just feel like we will get one West Coast rep- representative.
1: Yeah. And with this Pepperdine win, right, they're yeah. knocking on the door. So I think they are right there. And I think that they could threaten to knock off even in Ohio State. Right. Who just doesn't have much left on on the calendar to to solidify their ranking. Um yeah. I mean, I would throw in a, a Virginia ACC tournament run. Could I mean, could right be now quicker. the Pac-12 is boxed out of the top eight. Right. Yeah. Justifiably. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. yeah. The only team, the the best resume team is Cal. Yeah. I would agree with you. So let's play
0: cross-offs of this group because if you're not on this list, probably a national championship cross-off. Flora, I don't think we think Florida's winning. Correct. You know, I'm not willing to cross off Duke for the strangest of reasons, despite them losing to a shorthanded Florida state. Cause I swear to God, it's still the best. Like, it's like, what if Kelly Chen does play her best? Um, and it's like, what if Georgia drummy is playing her best? What if Chloe Beck is playing her best? Then it's like, you just need one more player to play well for this Duke team. And they're in the hunt against everyone. You want to cross them off? <laughs> yes. Okay, fine. We can cross them off Stanford. We crossed them off last week, I
1: believe. Yeah, well, yeah. Cross them I off. just
0: think they're a player short. Cal. Uh, <laughs> leave them
1: uncrossed. Okay, leave them uncrossed. I just Uncom- don't know if they can do it three
0: times in a row, but they can definitely
1: do it once against anyone. Well, that's how I was thinking when you were talking about Duke. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, drummy, Chen, they can all play their best on one day. Can they do it back to back days? All right, cross them off. That's fine with me.
0: Um Oklahoma State, are we crossing them off? Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know if there's enough oomph there, but that is a dangerous team. Virginia, feels like they're a player short.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: Auburn, really good everywhere. I don't know if they could do it three
1: matches in a row, though. Four matches. Do do we hold off on this, though, until we see them actually face Georgia and Texas A&M?
0: That works for me. Leave them uncrossed. Fine. I mean, they lost to Ohio State, who I believe you have crossed off. Um, That was indoors. Yeah. Okay. Leave them uncrossed then. Miami?
1: Yeah, they're a cross off for me.
0: I would agree. It feels like, give it a year. Wait till Alexa Noel's in the fold, and I promise we will not be crossing them off next season. Ohio State still crossed off? Yes. You know I disagree with you there. We litigated this last week. That's fine. Do you really disagree? I think they can do it. I do think they can do because they're just experienced enough. That's the difference. Is it's like Marzal and Dorme have not played their best tennis yet, and they've had a lot of close losses against a lot of really good teams, right? Like against the NC States of the world, against the North Carolinas of the world, against you know the Georges of the world. Ohio State has yet to take a bad loss, and yeah, they've ta- you know they've lost to who? Georgia, North Carolina State, North Carolina, and a team. I'm missing one more loss that they have on their. Oh, and Duke, like. I don't think oh, the Duke loss it. at yeah. Duke four three that early in the season is a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. So that's why I can't write them off is because yeah, they lost two straight matches on the road four three to start the season, but like they've also beaten Pepperdine. They like, I, and I think they have, you know, they went two and one in the national indoor weekend. And I think this team is calloused enough and experienced enough, right? Like this is the year for them with Dorme and Marzal and Allen and Boulet and contos all being together as long as they have that's why i'm not willing to cross them off because this is the
1: year they should be peaking and this could be the year they peak but does that peak enough for the ncaa so. title yeah okay like i'm right. not
0: confident enough about everyone else so yeah okay all
1: right, I'm not we'll, gonna, leave all on. right we'll leave them georgia who just beat this team you talked glowingly about seven I mean, nine? I'm,
0: I'm not crossing them off. I'm I've told you, I've done a flip on Georgia. I think give Vian and Minova and Riasco three sets to AM. Like give
1: them one more month and one more shot at that match. Okay. For the record, I would cross off seven and eight, but we'll leave them on.
0: I the thing I would cross off is Georgia's scheduling this year. With the young team that they have, it's just like, God, I wish they could have played seven more matches to this point of the season. Texas. I say no cross. Yeah, I didn't leave them on. I agree. A&M, we did this earlier, not crossing
1: them Yeah, I think we leave everyone else. The only question is Pepperdine.
0: Can I cross off Pepper but not Dine? Like, (laughs) I like the Dine. I hate when they pepper it up. Um, No, no cross off. NC State has to be on. Oklahoma has to be on. Cross off North Carolina? (laughs) It's like if they win it, but they're not as good as last year's team, should it count?
1: Like, I don't know. That's a, that's a debate. Well, if, if they remain undefeated, maybe that's when you cross them off. Maybe well, they need to lose a regular season match.
0: I no, they don't. That's okay. They're doing just fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, all right, we've got nine teams still left on the board. I think that's pretty good with what six weeks left to go, five weeks left to go in terms of the teams in top 20, uh, 16 contention. Who's next off for you? Is it Michigan? Is it, you know, again, who are your 17, 18, 19 teams still sort of still in the mix?
1: gruskin michigan is not my 17 not Uh, right now but they could be they could be in the mix they could be in the mix um you know for me it was (laughs) they're my 17 uh you know ucla i think is in this mix we haven't seen them for a few weeks i have them at 19 yeah um you know i think lmu is in the top 25 for sure whether they have them 21 can get up there you know, and USC and UCF are both teams that I think are talented that can get some wins later this season. Um, I have yeah. UCF 22. They're sneaky in the hunt as well. Okay, I have UCF at 21. I just don't think they have the wins on the board to, that, I agree. to get up there. A little lower. And honestly, I feel like there's a pretty clear break at the 16-17 mark. Just yeah. in terms of, like, wins on the board.
0: Florida's your pretty solid 16.
1: And Florida feels like the inflection point.
0: Yeah, UCLA just hasn't done enough. The not You know, the West Coast LMUs and UC, uh, UCSBs just haven't quite done enough. I couldn't agree with you more. I yep. think Florida's a pretty good line of demarcation. I think Michigan can catch them, especially with a win on Friday, over Ohio State. And with that in mind, let's now look at the week ahead and what we've got coming up this weekend. Obviously, two more cross court casts for all of you on our Big Ten and SEC broadcasts. Pepperdine Cal in the books, 2-1. Cal now leads as they take a 4-3 win over Pepperdine. But you look at the battle of undefeated conference foes. UNC versus NC State, ACC. Auburn versus Texas AM SEC. Michigan in Columbus against Ohio State in the Big Ten. Your thoughts on those three matches?
1: I mean, juicy all around, right? I mean, we're getting a one versus two matchup this weekend. That is extremely exciting. I can't wait to see UNC and NC state face off. Uh, I think that is going to be very interesting. It is at NC state. uh, Mm -hmm. So that is something to note. Look, I think uh, if you, if NC state can take doubles, one of the top two, you know, can they find a win at, at, five at six I think that will be very interesting so I'm fascinated to see that match up I think Texas beats Auburn the question for me is like how badly do they beat Auburn sure is this like four three is this another 7-0? No? well here's Did what I'll say you know
0: Caroline Lilly has a team that just they're workhorses and whether it's Ansari or Arsenault or Ovunk or again Flack or Chen they're just really good everywhere. Like, yeah. I, I think, and I've made this comment before, I think Auburn is Texas A&M 0.85. Now, the big swing thing for me in that match is, A, I think as good as Auburn has been at doubles, A&M's just better. Yeah. yeah. B, the match is in College Station. And I think that's ultimately the two swing factors that you have. Look, Makarova, I don't care how good Ariana Arsenal has been this year. I'm taking Makarova over everyone right now. So that's yeah. one point on the board. With all due respect, uh, again, to the middle of Auburn's lineup, I'm taking Goldsmith against anyone right now that's a second point on the board Townsend versus Yu Chen is the undercard match in that match that you should be watching that we'll spend a healthy amount of time on um but I agree with you I just think AM's a better version of
1: Auburn Yep, agreed yeah and then in the Big Ten uh you know I think I do think Ohio State wins this match uh oh, particularly do you? all <laughs> yes, right I well do. this will
0: be your last appearance
1: <laughs> um Particularly just the Michigan yeah. results haven't been super impressive of late. But look, Ohio State, if they don't have Dorme back in the lineup, if she's still out of doubles, they have not looked strong in doubles when they have to split up Boulay and Allen. So it's at Ohio State as well, which I think um, tips the tips the the hat. Friend, friendly State. wager on this match. I'll
0: take the Wolverines. You take Ohio State. Winner opens the show with the welcome to in next week's deciding point
1: is that is know. that a like yeah, is, is that a reward is for that you? a reward if I win? yeah i don't know i don't know what else you want to put on the line you tell me <laughs> we'll have to negotiate something okay. offline okay i like it we'll make something on twitter oh i have uh, one UNC i can NC yeah state? what okay. was it UNC-NC unc NC state the rematch oh i'm going unc yeah, I'm
0: going UNC, too. I mean, okay. that's a really fun match, though. I mean, Cute, this yeah. is it, though. This is the moment for NC State. Like, this is what... I'm. They're going to be ready. That's what I would say, is they will be freaking ready for this.
1: Watch Alana Smith make her appearance in this. Match. Oh, of course she's <laughs> going to. Yeah,
0: it's going to have a bionic foot. Uh, it's going to be delightful. Yeah, that's a really fun one. I mean, what are you watching for? Can Yarlagata just keep Yarlagata-ing? And, I mean... Eh, how good is Negroho at this point of the season and can NC state put the pressure on North Carolina at the top of the lineup, as well as, you know, in that center, you know, Crawley Miller, the rematch, that's the rematch. Yeah. Well, that's going to be great. It's going to be really good. It's going to be really freaking good. All right. Conference undercards on the week.
1: Lay it on me. I mean more to watch on the Arkansas, right? They host yeah. Tennessee and Georgia. That I think are- I have you on the Arkansas bandwagon. <laughs> Is it you or, or, or coach, uh, or the coach? It's both but, I've yeah. been pushing them hard. You I think, have, on you. I do oh, yeah, apologize. you have. No, yeah, you ha- just, really I just think have. they're really good. Like, yeah, again, well, I was very they're, impressed they're with the right win over South Carolina
0: all the way through. They can freaking play,
1: yeah, absolutely. And again, this Arkansas, Tennessee, both those that would be a great win for both of these teams. And look, I'm curious to see how Arkansas does against Georgia. They, didn't do as well as I thought they were going to against Auburn. So it's a, a, a good test for them on the ACC side, right? NC state's also playing host to Duke. Yeah. So that's a fascinating matchup where even if NC state loses to UNC, they can still get a, you know, a top 15 victory. Doesn't
0: UNC play wake as well. Isn't that their other one? I think. Oh, it probably is. Yeah. I'm doing the math in my head. It's just a North Carolina.
1: Fan. Yeah. North Carolina. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's a pretty good one too. I'm expecting a a, a, a sweep uh, sure. of that match, um, but yeah, certainly from like just a rankings perspective, right? This is really UNC's weekend to like solidify that top top one ranking, and then the other one I just to note is Clemson at Georgia Tech, right? Clemson has some good matches. Obviously, just talking about them beating Furman, they beat Notre Dame. Georgia Tech has looked solid through the end of the season here. So that's one I'm watching. And then in the Pac-12, very curious about Washington-UCLA, the rematch.
0: Yeah, that's almost a must win. Uh, For both schools if they want to make top 16 pushes. And so that's a really fun one. One other undercard I would put uh, in terms of a conference play. And again, I believe we're going to have this match on our Big Ten broadcast. Nebraska taking on Northwestern and Illinois at home. Mm -hmm. If they want to make the NCAA tournament, they have to go one and one. And so ideally you beat Northwestern, but they they have to beat Illinois if they want to make a top 40 push. And so that's yep. another undercard. And we are going to have that match on our broadcast. And so with that in mind, let's put them up on the screen. Super producer, Daniel Westhoff, let's start with the uh, Friday broadcast. And the thing I enjoy most is I'm not going to say over the past few seasons that when Chris would start talking Auburn and LSU and Alabama, I would just be offering empty talk to all the listeners. But I did not watch them as religiously as I do this year. And I think the thing that these broadcasts have me enjoy the most is now I actually do have takes on just about every school. Uh, Cause I've seen all of them play, but let's look at what we've got Friday West off on our crack brackets, SEC cross court cast. We start uh, with some Kentucky Florida action now been a really tough conference play for the Kentucky women but certainly a shot to bounce back against Florida we've got Arkansas Tennessee on the women's it's side a good match. one fascinating Vanderbilt in must win mode now as they're going to take on South Carolina that Auburn A&M one of our night matches we'll get to features that's a 6 p.m eastern time start oh that's great we've got a late match day folks first match at noon last match at seven now the good news is it's spread out so we're going to get to feature everything a little bit more and I guess that makes things easier for us but It's going to be a long day, folks. So buckle in as we've got again. You look overall on day seven plus four is 11, 12 matches. Yeah, makes sense as we hit the heart of SEC conference season. Of course, let's look at the Sunday Big Ten cross court cast, which of course you can find on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We've got eight matches for you. A little bit more condensed is the action, nevertheless. Northwestern at Michigan on the men's side. That's going to be delightful. As mentioned, that uh, Iowa-Northwestern match, Nebraska taking on Illinois. On the women's side, Ohio State, Michigan State should be fun as well just to see how healthy this Buckeye team is. It's going to be another really fun weekend of action for you. And again, those Friday SEC broadcasts available on all of the team websites. Sunday, we are on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. With all that said... One last shout-out, of course, and a huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision for their support of this show. To learn more about them, just click on the link in the description to this podcast. Use that promo code CRACK20 on sign-up. Email sales at uniquesports.com, of course, as well, to learn more about our friends at Turna. All that in mind, another week of college tennis in the books, Jay. Any final thoughts?
1: No. I think we <laughs> yeah. have another really exciting weekend ahead of us. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think we finally hit everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so with all that said, again, a huge
0: shout out, as always to super producer, Daniel Westoff for the work he does. If you're not watching these shows live, you're missing out folks, best in the business. And you really should, because we want to hear from you. What are your questions down the season's home stretch? Who are your cross-offs? Do you like the cross-off segment? Let us know, obviously uh, at, Gruskin, at J tweets, tennis, at cracked rackets. But with all of that said, my fantastic co host, John J. Parsons, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turn On. From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great job. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.